This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. This is Jeremy Roberts on behalf of Hawke's Bay Poetry Live. A program broadcast on Wednesday afternoons at 2pm. You can also go to the Radio Kidnappers website and find us on programs or um, download. Um, So welcome to the show. My very special guest today is Mary Ellen Warren of Terradale. And I've got a couple of little bio notes I'd love to share with you. She says, the Canadian shield is my monga, the Niagara is my awa. U.S. poet laureate Billy Collins is an ancestor in law who inspired my late life interest in poetry. And Sonia McKenzie, who's been on this show, through U3A nourished it during the last 14 years that I've lived in Taradale. Mary Ellen says, History doesn't remember what you thought it remembers what you did. <laughs> Poetry combines and embellishes thought in the action of writing a poem. I hope my poems make you smile as well as grimace. Welcome to the show, Mary Ellen. Why, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you very much. So, immediately, your your um, Canadian background is a little different to the average poet we have interviewed on the show. Um, tell us a little about Canada. Okay. I guess I'd like to start with uh, another time that I was actually in a recording studio, a, a radio. Uh, um, it was in the city of Windsor, which is on the border of uh, the USA, Detroit is the mm. city opposite. And it was a little startup station, a uh, little hole in the wall. And uh, we were invited in because um, my dad was funding it. It was a private, oh. private operation. And uh, he wanted to see that the money had been spent. And sure enough, the equipment was there. Mm. But... Beyond our wildest dreams, my dad's wildest dreams, this little startup became one of the most listened stations in all of Canada. And it wasn't that Canadians were tuning in. It was those across the river in Detroit. Mm. And the owner and operator of the station had picked up on the Motown theme. And yep. so he played, uh, regaled us with the temptations mm. and things that were practically outlawed in parts of the United States, but they hit the core of the population. Oh, yeah. So I've often thought that radio is a way of finding the little niches and uh, shining a light on them and allowing them to to shine for the rest of the world. So radios are an important part of my Canadian background. 
Um, mm, interesting. You know, I, I, I'll jump in here quickly. <laughs> I lived in, um, in Grand Bend. Oh. I know Sarnia, Port Huron, Detroit. I know, I've been across that river many times. Yes, the bridge. <laughs> many years ago. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it's the one thing that I'd like to just mm. impress upon people is that across the river, we say, and yes, for nine months of the year, it's a river, but um, for part of the year, it can have ice flows in it, and so mm. there are no boats allowed. So Canada is uh, a cold place. Mm, indeed. I I left, um, I was there for six months, and I left as the first snowflakes were falling. Oh, <coughs> yeah. Yeah. But that was really cool. Very different um, feel being on the Canadian side and then crossing into the American side, I remember. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Hey, um, so that's an interesting story. Um, mm. I, it sort of leads a little bit, I guess, onto my, my grand opening question. What, mm. what did or who did really turn you on to poetry? You've always, in your bio, it says that you sort of came to it creatively, I suspect, late mm. in life. But what were your early experiences? Well, I have to go into sort of my personal side um, and the shadows. Um, I was a, and still am, a dyslexic person. Ah. And so words um, I could hear and understand, but I wasn't any good at writing them. And so lo and behold, um, I would fail every spelling test that I had. Um, and when marks came out um, and they divided them by subjects, I mm. barely got a scraping 50% in English. So I was always a little bit worried, uptight when it came to English language, writing, uh, reading. And so um, it wasn't a first love. The, the language um, mm. really was a, a trial for me. But I did bring along um, a poem that uh, turned me on to the world of poetry and... Mm. Um, I think it turned me on because it was a little bit of imagination and it was a little bit of culture, and yep. um, that was important to me. So mm. poetry, to me, was a, a, a hard thing to do, but it was an open window. Interesting. Okay, mm. are you going to share it with us? Yeah. Great. I brought it along, <clears throat> and I thank you for the opportunity to read Abu Ben Adam. It's by Lee Hunt, and it was written in 1834, so it goes back a ways. Abu Ben Adam, may his tribe increase, awoke one night from a deep dream of peace, and saw within the moonlight in his room, making it rich and like a lily bloom, an angel writing in a book of gold. Exceeding peace had made Ben Adam bold. And to the presence in the room, he said, What writest thou? The vision raised its head. And with a look made of all sweet accord, answered, The names of those who love the Lord. And is mine one, said Abu? Nay, not so, replied the angel. 
Abu spoke more low, but surely still and said, I pray thee then, write me as one that loves his fellow men. The angel wrote and vanished. The next night it came again with a great wakening light and showed the names whom love of God had blessed, and lo, Ben Adam's name led all the rest. Wow. <clears throat> so you were quite young when you heard that. I would think I might have been 12, something like that. Mm. And did, did the structure of it appeal to you, the fact it was a, a kind of a conversation? Yes. And and, so, and yeah. the rhyme and the, mm. the meter. And, mm. and the other things that appealed were the imagination. Like uh, I could also sort of imagine a, an angel in the room. It's, mm. you know, it could, yeah. could work out that way, couldn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, also, um, what about school? Did you, was poetry ever f- figuring in the English curriculum or? Yes, it was, but I uh, found it mostly uh, through Shakespeare. Um, uh, and so that's a bit of a okay. hard slog. Um, Can be, yeah. For, yeah <laughs> for, for many it is. But of course, a lot of people absolutely think it's the ultimate. Yes. So I wouldn't say that I uh, cottoned on to uh, poetry or English. As a matter of fact, when I uh, sat my final exams from high school, I managed to scrape by with a 50. And it was known that 50 was given to you. They had a meeting and decided that you could pass. It wasn't that you'd earned 50. Um, And so you can see my... Uh, connection with English, mm. uh, going to an English class wasn't uh, yeah. my favorite. What was my favorite was uh, history and geography. And mm. uh, to put it in perspective, although I almost failed English, I came first in the school in history and geography. Interesting. Were they fully aware of your dyslexia? I don't think so. Ah, no. Okay, so we're talking about... Um, the old days, perhaps? Mm, the old um, days. And the other factor was that I had had polio as a child. Ah. And so I limped. Um, and when all the other kids were batting about the schoolyard, I was sitting on the, the steps waiting to go back in. Mm. So I, I, they, I, I was probably a, an outcast from both the academic and the, the physical side of education. Yeah, I can see how that, that would shape your perspective on so many things. What about, did, did you make friends? Did, did you have good friends not, at school? Not, not at all. Not at high school. Um, it was at uni that I gained friends, yeah. Mm, okay. Um, so when did you first r- try and write a poem? What Do you have a... Oh, only Memory four four years ago. Okay, wow. Yes. Okay, um, well, that's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Well, would you like to share one of your own, Mary Ellen? Yes. Yep. Um, this is one um, ri- written uh, in uh, June of 2022. Blueberries on my porridge ten times removed. Mm. Carefully, I spoon frozen blueberries from the self-sealing pouch purchased from New World frozen food section. 
stalked by part-time, underaged, and retired night staff, offloaded from the Gilmore's frozen food behemoth in the middle of the night, (laughs) coming from a central depot previously shipped from the Hastings factory onto my porridge. Thanks, sorters and pickers from far and near Flaxmere, paid for performance, Not to forget the bankers, advertisers, and human resources, presumably all well-embursed. The blueberry plants imported from North America, where I first found them in 1957, growing wild on Blueberry Hill, Sudbury. Food for thought. Now to add a sprinkle of chia seed. Mmm. Oh, that's lovely. What do you get out of that? What did you see? (laughs) I, I saw the flow chart, the, the journey, and I was thinking, were you, Mary Ellen, sitting there spooning it into your mouth and going through each of those steps? Or did, did you jot it down while you were eating this, um, <laughs> this porridge? No, no, it, it wouldn't have been um, while I was eating it. That's a, another ah, time. Okay. But it would probably be something just the opposite. It would probably be reading the newspaper. I I read the newspaper and keep a little spare sheet of paper and pen beside me. Mm -hmm. And something dings from the newspaper. And so in this case, it could have been the word supply chain or it could have Ah, been, been, um, you know, there was a lot of talk about are the um, uh, food stores uh, having us on? Are we being taken by the uh, the uh, duopoly, the, just the two food chains? Mm, mm. And so I suspect that it would have come in one of those moments of uh, reading the newspaper and thinking what's going on in the world. Yeah, yeah. It all sort of relates, doesn't it? Everything's... Um part of a moment in time it's mm. you know what I'm saying anyway so four years ago you started writing and yeah. when when were you brave enough to read poetry to people oh boy it took me to about uh, 10 months ago ah yeah okay interesting yep yeah I, I mean I I might have been there I think yes, when, you, I, when I would... you came along I think I do remember that time. yeah I think so yeah yeah um, no, that's terrific. I mean, and po- I'd have to say that I've also <clears throat> chickened out once. Like I've come prepared with my poem, and then felt oh, I can't do this. Yeah, so yeah, it, every t- every time I go to read a poem, it is a crossing of a threshold. It's something that I have to be conscious and and considered. Well, you certainly. Um, Present your poems well, I, I believe, and um, you know that that's the thing. You never know the the mental journey that's taken place before. I'm sure for other poets who read regularly, it's not just an easy thing. Mm. Five minutes before, um, oh, okay, off I go. I'll grab my poem and on the <laughs> way. Some people are preparing for a few days, and I, I think also probably practicing reading too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it's wonderful, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, no, it's a very supportive environment. Hawke's Bay Live poets who meet in the um, Theosophical Hall in um, Taradale in mm. Devonshire Place. That's right. Yeah. 
And um, at nice early time, starts at 7 p.m., which I like because I'm not an, a nighttime person. So Yeah, not too late. Not too late. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Um, how what, what so that you've touched a little bit i suppose on on your process um mm-hmm. how do you write a poem i i ask every, every poet who yeah. sits in that chair gets asked the same question because yep. the answers are always quite different so yeah. the first couple poems i wrote um were all about people in my lives. So it was a way of remembering my mother, my father, my in-laws. Um, it was then I, it went one step further. A friend had a, um, a new granddaughter. And so I thought, oh, what do we send to Canada for a, a new grandchild? I know, I'll send a poem. Mm. So um, the the reason I started was really very personal. It was to remember uh, special people and mm. honor special people. Mm. Lovely. Um, have you got that poem handy? I do. So, um, if you don't mind, it's a bit long. But oh, we like long poems. <laughs> okay, don't go to sleep. Please don't go to sleep. Here's my gift to you a swing. Rockabye Hannah in your father's arms snug under clouds of night that cover the earth like a rug. Just a small one in the universe, the blue planet is our home. With gratitude and compassion, on it may you roam. Soon you'll be ready to take your place on a swing. At first, let your parents push. In delight, let your squeal ring. Then, beg them higher, higher. What games will they devise? But one day you alone will do it, pumping yourself up to the skies. No knobs, no switches, no need to swipe. Lean back, stretch your legs out, feel the breeze, delight in gravity. Worship the clouds if the sun's not about. Sideways on the seat, we used to call it side saddle, then try other ways, spinning or standing up. Try something new every day. Live. Mm. Oh, I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, something... A real-world physical experience. Do boys go on swings? I believe they do. I'm just thinking um, probably the majority that I've seen in recent times in the playground with my daughter Mm. would be girls. Yes. Funny you you should say that. Yes. um, Oh, I'm glad you take her, and I hope you can watch and see what, what she tries, what she gains from it. Yeah, she's autistic, and um, yeah. she she likes to think about things for a long time. But she's finally pushing her legs out and back now, so she yeah. can she can do it herself finally. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, there was a little comment I felt uh, an anti digital world comment there, which was good. You know, like <laughs> yes. you're, you're not swiping. Not, you're not. Yes. <laughs> yes, and that's becoming. Um, it's an already an issue mm-hmm. in society, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, we, we won't go down that path. But yeah, yeah. there's prob- many many problems associated with 
the cyber world and everything else, internet. Well, I'm really <clears throat> pleased that it struck home that you've got someone who's interested in, in a swing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Chief as George, you, I think <laughs> when you're a parent, I think you tend to, um, you know, or an uncle or an aunt, you mm. you relate to children and mm-hmm. through your own memories of what you did, I yes. think. And, um, yeah, the physical physical play is so vital, mm. you know. Um, physical movement through through our blue planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just give one yeah. little yeah. Um, sort of um, comment on it. Um, the swings that I encountered in my early life were all in the public realm. It was in a park. It was mm. down the street and in the park. Or, no, I don't think they had them in the schoolyard. I think they were considered too dangerous. But now I see them in the backyards and whatnot, and I, I just feel a little bit sad about that. I I like the idea of a communal swing where you can mm. go and um, any time. Maybe you have to line up, but um, it's a, a nice. Well, usually they're bigger, higher, um, and so anyway, I I regret that we've moved to the privatization of the swing <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I i know what you're saying um it, it, so it seems like your topics um that you write about they just things that catch your eye or uh, sometimes is it a deep a feeling deep inside you that might come out or how how do you well i think i'm i'm really stuck on um newspapers magazines um those things uh turn me on they give me the the bigger issues and once mm. you've got the bigger issue then it's quite easy to um pick out the blueberries do you know what i yes. mean the example of the bigger issue uh, that's interesting. so i'd say um one of the uh, big influences on my life was accidentally sitting next to uh, a renowned author Jane Jacobs Mm. Um, and she uh, had a little spare time in the intermission and she was disabled as was I so neither of us got up in the intermission and I said I've read your books and I think they're wonderful and how do you do it and she said I cut out articles from newspapers and I spread them around the room and Mm. certain topics seem uh, to evolve. And then when I've got them all spread around, I go back and gather them up and then um, write the book. Interesting, isn't Mm. it? Yeah. So in my way of doing it is, Mm. I think, a little bit like hers, like watch what's going on in the world, pick bits from here and there. Um, and then embellish it. So what type of books does she write? <laughs> oh, um, the Life and Death of Great American Cities. So she was somebody who campaigned to stop an expressway destroying a neighborhood in, I think it was Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, she became the uh, origin of Not in My Backyard. She oh, was the, she? F- the first example of a local group that fought against um, the big uh, things, in this case, expressways. She moved from uh, the U.S. to Canada and took up residence in uh, Toronto Mm. and I think um, benefited the city 
tremendously. Sure enough, she stopped an expressway for us. <clears throat> but she also um, worked with people as she found them. And so she leaves as a legacy um, a group that has as its uh, focus empathy. Mm. So non-fiction books? Um, yes. Or yeah, yeah. Does she write stories? No, no, no. they were non-fiction. And I just give you mm, a warning, I'm sorry. Her last book was called Dark Age Ahead. Mm, interesting. Is she still around? No. No. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Yeah, well, the dark age. Okay. Uh, you can't stop it, I suppose. No. Well, you can try. <laughs> yes, you can. Um, all right. Would you like to read another of your poems, Mariella? Mm. Okay, this is also a, a personal one. Um, and this is about my, um, my father-in-law. And I'll show you. Here's a photo of him here. Um, this oh. is a, an old black and white photo. It's an original. And mm. he's standing in the streets of an Italian village yep. and um, in his soldier's uniform. World War II was in full swing. So um, he was just one bullet away from uh, not being there. But that's why I've called it Harry's Life Against the Odds. Mm. Okay, I'll just do a little <clears throat> clearing of throat first. Absolutely. <coughs> <coughs> Harry's life against the odds. Harry achieved his goal of 90 years. He lived between 1917 and 2008. He lived against the odds being a biker, a soldier, a smoker, with half his life in the nuclear age. On his bike as a young man, he specialized in inner-city travels to visit relatives, peddling all the way from Stockport to Newcastle. King George and Queen Mary were there on the 18th of July, 1934, when Harry whizzed through the Mersey Tunnel on its opening day. As a post office courier, his satchel contained thousands of pounds as he biked between post offices. No one took on the six-foot lad. To avoid the bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic on the Exeter bypass, he biked to work at the bankruptcy office in Exeter. He survived the miles. In World War II, British convoy fate to save Harry as his ship set to sail for North Africa was hit by a German torpedo. He was supposed to be on the ship, but had missed it. Cunning kept him out of harm's way during his six years on the front lines in North Africa, Sicily, and Italy. He would only talk about the eruption of Mount Etna and the fire ants of the desert. We, he, we chose not to conjure an estimate of the odds of survival. Sheer bloody-mindedness saw him give up smoking after 30-plus years. He had bought up big ahead of the budget, saving a bob or two, but he really did want to save more, and so gave up the fags. He put the last packet on the mantelpiece. Each week, Harry put the correspond, what corresponded to fag money 
into a pot to be used to purchase a car. Consistent with his bloody-mindedness, he never smoked again and always bought a used car. Being a true liberal, no doubt Harry would have supported the party's policy to disestablish a British nuclear arsenal. He survived in the nuclear age. Then again, his life may not have been all scraps with death. He loved his black currants and gooseberries. If you want to live to 90, add some black currants to your porridge and dare to live. Wow, what a, what a journey. Great narrative. He sounds like a real character. He was great. Um, yeah, the experience of World War II. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you, I, I think that's quite an original um, thing there. Um, like it, it wasn't sort of um, a, a, a sort of a pure, um, I've seen the light, I'm quitting smoking. It was sheer bloody-mindedness. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. St- stubborn, stubbornness. Yeah. He, he could see, oh, hang on a minute, I'm going to... Yeah. I've got some goals. I want to buy a, a better car or... Yep. I uh, want the first car. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. Um, and so where... So um, he started off in England. Yes. Yes. And and <clears throat> stayed in England all his life. Oh, all uh, his I, life. Okay. I got to know his son and married his son. Um, <clears throat> but he... Um, was pleased to have me as a daughter-in-law, I have to say. Ah, okay. Oh, lovely. Um, <laughs> so can we ask which poets you admire the most, um, local, international, historical? You've already mentioned Billy Collins. You can talk yep. a bit more about him if you want to. Yes. <clears throat> so Billy turned me on to poetry. I... Um, didn't realize that it could be done by a human being. Um, and this goes back to oh, around 2000, I guess. Um, and I was uh, visiting my uncle and aunt in Canada, yeah. and um, my uncle happened to mention that um, Billy had seen some of my books that I had passed on in the family to his daughters, and that he'd written a poem about my books. Mm. I couldn't believe it. What's this all about? (laughs) So I bought um, a Billy Collins book um, called Sailing Alone Around the Room, and sure enough, I found my books in it. So I'd Mm. really like to read the poem that... um, Uh, inspired me, if I could. Oh, fantastic, yeah. Okay, it's called Canada. Oh, I should say Billy uh, uh, went, was actually born in the United States. His mom was a Canadian, his dad an American. Um, But he spent his youth, uh, the summers, Mm -hmm. back in Canada. So he had a, a deep understanding of what that part of Canada was all about. So he's uh, perfectly entitled to write the poem called Canada. Mm. I'm writing this on a strip of white birch bark that I cut from a tree with a penknife. There's no other way to express adequately the immensity of the clouds that are passing over the farms and wooded lakes of Ontario and the endless visibility that hands you the horizon on a platter. I'm also writing this in a wooden canoe. 
a point of balance in the middle of Lake Kuchishing, resting the birch bark against my knees. I can feel the sun's hands on my bare back, but I am thinking of winter, snow piled up in all the provinces, and the solemnity of the long grain ships that pass the cold months moored at own sound. O Canada, as the anthem goes, scene of my boyhood summers, you are the pack of sweet caprioles on the table. You are the dove's soft train whistle in the night. You are the empty chair at the end of an empty dock. You are the shelves of books in a lakeside cottage. Gift from the Sea by Anne Morrow Lindbergh. A Child's Garden of Verses by Robert Louis Stevenson. Anne of Avonlea by Lucy Maud Montgomery. So You're Going to Paris by Clara E. Lachlan. And Peril Over the Airport. One of the Vicky Barr Flight Stewardess series by Helen Wills whom some will remember as the author of Sherry Ames' Nurse Stories. What has become of the languorous girls who could pass the long, limp summer's evenings reading? Sherry Ames' student nurse, Sherry Ames' senior nurse, Sherry Ames' chief nurse, and Sherry Ames' flight nurse. Where are they now, the ones who shared her adventures as a veteran's nurse, a private duty nurse, a visiting nurse, a cruise nurse, night supervisor, mountaineer nurse, dude ranch nurse, there's little she has not done, rest home nurse, department store nurse, boarding school nurse, and country doctor's nurse. O Canada, I have not forgotten you as I kneel in my canoe beholding this vision of a bookcase. I pray that I remain in your vast polar North American memory. You are the paddle, the snowshoe, the cabin in the pines. You are Jean de, Bur de Brebeuf with his martyr's necklace of hatchet heads. You are the moose in the clearing and the moose head on the wall. You are the rapids, the propeller, the kerosene lamp. You are the dust that coats the roadside berries. But not only that, you are the two boys with pails walking along that road. And one of them, the taller one, the straw hat, is me. Mm. Oh, that's a lovely piece. Um, What's that collection called, Mary Ellen? Okay, it's called Sailing Alone Around the Room. Oh, you did mention that. Yep. Um, yeah, wow, that's, that's great to have that connection, and, and thanks. I think you're the first poet in the studio to um, read Billy Collins, actually. I think, okay. I think maybe the, the name, his name has come up, but you're the first, that's the first time we've heard a poem. So when I <clears throat> uh, got turned on to poetry, I wrote to him, and said, oh. could you come out to New Zealand? We have a great oh. poetry group here. Would you come and share your knowledge? And I have here the return envelope where he declined. But in it, I I've, I've, have to say I've touched base with Billy and tried to spread wow. his poetry right here that to Hawke's almost, Bay. I almost feel I should insist that you read it out <laughs> for all, us all to hear. But um, I'd love, love, to, love to find out an excerpt from that 
some time if you can. Um, wow, yeah, no, 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 no surprise, I suppose. How old is Billy now? Oh, he's moving on. I would think he's late eighties. Okay. Would think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so you, you've touched a little bit already on um, mm. the Hawke's Bay poetry community, the community you mm. belong to. Um, what role do you think it actually plays? You know poetry in the community um also the open mic where people are welcome to come and listen or read what do you think it does out there um i think uh it supports people who have the impulse to do poetry um i don't think it's going to be a a popular thing but at some point in someone's life there'll be an inkling that i'll check this out and lo and behold, yeah. it's a great safe place to go and mm. and see if you fit in, see if you can contribute. So I, th- I, th- I think it's a wonderful thing. Mm. Wonderful. Oh, great. And, and I just <clears throat> add a little something else. Yes. Um, having lived in a big city of two million people... Um, it would be inconceivable that you'd get a, a poetry group together. Um, it, it would be an hour's commute on the subway or bus or something. Mm. Um, so we're just the right size. People can know each other and get mm. to it. That's the wonderful thing. It's, easy, it's easy achievable. Yeah. It's achievable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you like to share another poem? Yes, I'd like to do the one where you ask um, what topic is it that you want to sell or um, you've got to have a little, um, yeah, a little bit of uh, you putting one over on the the listeners. So this is Uh. my, this is my um, uh, ad, okay? Uh, This is a unpaid for ad. Uh, but it's none, nonetheless, it's an ad, okay? Mm. Here we go. <coughs> World Polio Day, 2023. One of 20 million polios, not counting the mums and dads, the sisters and brothers, the petrified neighbors, and the milkman who left the bottles on the curb. Then there are the spouses who do not know the journey and assume we are only lame, but rather we cling to survivor guilt. In Romania, holistic care to overcome a knee that wouldn't respond to the doctor's tap. In New Zealand, the polio homeschooled by mum. Then the neighboring kids joined in. The Duncan home in Wanganui for the bedbound. In India, there may be a polio cripple sitting on the curb begging with a beggar master nearby. But Bollywood icon Amitar Bachchan devotes his energy to spreading the word. I have undertaken a pilgrimage of my own to the Salk Institute to honor the scientists. I wholeheartedly thank Bill Gates and Melinda and Rotary International for sticking with it. May we care and learn as I have with the milk bottles. So mm. I finished that about a week ago. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so it's still a, a very um, 
prescient health issue, isn't it? It's almost on the verge of being stomped out. Uh, it reemerged mm. um, with the upheaval of the uh, COVID, mm. but uh, it's <clears throat> limited to bits of Pakistan, bits of Afghanistan, and every now and then uh, pops up in Nigeria. But um, one of the strains, one of the viruses has been um, uh, eliminated. Okay. So, but... We're so close when we think about it now to, you know, 100 cases a year when we have 20 million survivors overall in the world. Mm. So it it was a major thing, yeah. um, and we've managed to contain it. It just needs a little bit more attention mm. in those areas. So October 24th is World Polio Day. We remember uh, polio and our success in dealing with it. And we mm. invite the world to um, think of World Polio Day by lighting up with a purple light. So last year I was pleased that the Hastings Clock Tower had a, a spotlight um, with a purple uh, cover on it that we mm. could light it up as a, um, a token of remember what you can do. You can succeed. Just get your act together. Yeah. Do you belong to an organization in New Zealand? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep, I do. Okay. Um, I suppose, so my next question was about, you know, poetry um, educating or informing, changing the way people think. Um, That poem, in a way, I suppose, fits into that category. It is. It's my ad. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good good way to express it. Um, Do you think poetry... Yeah, can it can work like this? It's not it's not just a confessional thing or a, a mm. humorous thing or entertaining thing. It can, yeah, it can um, trigger something or tick tick something and off. Yep, even yeah. if only one other person uh, takes up the idea. Mm. Good, that's good. Mm. How about another poem, Mary Ellen? Okay, mm. um, so I've got. Um, one called Love on the Menu. I think I read this at the uh, the uh, Live Poets, and yes. uh, I saw people licking their lips. So, ah. so <laughs> maybe, maybe it hits a spot with people. Here we go. Love on the Menu. Asparagus, first of season, with a dusting of Parmesan cheese. Blueberries on my porridge, genetically linked to Canada, my native land. Coffee, make that a flat white. I used to check the price, now I just order. Dark chocolate, Whitaker's thanks, although Cadbury and Quakers are of historical interest. English muffins, I don't go there being gluten-free, but skipping through the alphabet... Homegrown lemonade is my offering to the gods. Yes, love is a menu for me. Would you like to come over and share a meal? But post-cyclone, the shelves are empty. When you hold a baby, the black ferns win the prize. A passing caribou catches your eye. Something wells up. Do you call that love? Hmm. Yeah, it's intriguing, isn't it? It's, um, I don't know that I've got the transition right there, but love, it, 
is demonstrated for me by serving somebody food. Here's something. Eat this. Mm. Enjoy this. Mm. It's my way of, of of expressing love. But then I got thinking about um, things that um, other things that can inspire it. So picking up anybody's baby, I think, and the bub- bubble of love comes to the fore. When I saw the black ferns uh, take the world, uh, boy, there was nothing more than uh, love there. Good on you, girls. So mm, anyway, it, mm. it's a, a way of expanding from uh, what's tangible, the food, to what's around you. Mm, mm. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, I'll throw a couple of quotes at you, <clears throat> as I want to do sometimes. Yep. Um Elizabeth Smither, who is is a former New Zealand poet laureate, mm-hmm. she said poetry is simply a way of being alive. What do you? How do you respond to that? You would agree with that, I expect. I do totally. <clears throat> yep, I think it's um, looking around you, paying attention, mm. um, drawing some conclusions, and then the next day drawing the opposite conclusions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's got to be true. And then um, the American um, poetry giant Allen Ginsberg. Oh boy, he, he's he, a tough one. He said, "Poetry is not an expression of the party line. It's that time of night, lying in bed, thinking what you really think, making the private world public. That's what the poet does." Um, how do you respond to that one? Yep. I think that's I think that's exactly it. I don't I must admit I don't lie in bed much. I've got a new technique called deep breathing. Mm-hmm. And uh after about four breaths I'm asleep. Wow. So yeah, I'm not in, in bed with Allen Ginsberg. But <laughs> no. uh yeah, so my my uh moments come yeah, maybe sitting over the breakfast table or reading yeah. the newspaper. Yeah. Um, gosh, that's interesting. I'm sure some of our listeners would love to, you to teach them that. Four breaths and you're out. Yep, four <laughs> breaths. That's right. It's, uh, I'll give a little background. It's called marine breathing. I learned this from the polio people. So they taught the marines in the U.S. to do this. Yes. So breathe in through your nose to the count of four. One, two, three, four. Hold for the count of four. One, two, three, four. Breathe out through your mouth for the count of four. One, two, three, four, and then do nothing, rest for four seconds. So four, 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 and four, and that's marine breathing. And do that four times, and you'll you'll be asleep. Wow, I'll try it tonight. <laughs> okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, all right. Um, would you like to share another poem? We've got about um, nine minutes left, I think. Okay. I'd like to do um, a... Uh, a Kiwi one, and um, it's from a book by Brian Turner. He's uh, one of my favorite uh, Kiwi yeah. poets, mm. and his, the book is called Elemental yes. Central Otago Poems. And I'm pleased to read his poem called Declaration. Okay. The bed of the rivers like a ransacked room and the banks are cloaked with lime-green willows that toss and flail in a summer gale. And you're convinced that only what's sacred 
and isn't wounded stands between us and oblivion. And without reverence for the world we inhabit, we will never come to cherish the planet on which we depend and have yet to learn how to love and protect for as long as we all shall live. Mm. I think it's very appropriate post-cyclone, the bed of the rivers like a ransacked room. How could yeah. he describe it any better? Yeah. Well, Brian Turner, he, you know, he's a, he's a former New Zealand poet laureate, of, of mm-hmm. course, and famous for his, um, I, I hate to use the word eco-poems, but I'll yep. just use it because it's convenient. Um, yeah, he's one of the masters, isn't he? He certainly <clears throat> is. Yeah, he's very he's... in touch with the land. Yep. Um, okay. Well, um, you can... You, you lead us on here, Mary Ellen. What, okay, to... so I want to honour somebody important in my development of poetry, which was Sonia, ah, Sonia yeah. McKenzie. Okay. <clears throat> now, Sonia had a U3A poetry group meet in her home um, once a month, excuse me, <clears throat> and she had put no pressure on us, but bit by bit, I think we all got into writing poems and um, we shared significant moments in our lives with these other people. So Mm. Sonia um, really provided something, I'd have to say, better than a church, (laughs) Uh, a wonderful place for for the spirit. So I'd like to uh, honor Sonia by reading one of her poems, and it's from the recently published Seasons Voices, 30 Years of Hawke's Bay Live Poet Society, and its title, The Clearing. Seemed a good day for a walk. I wandered slowly, all I can manage now. About me, many birds kept up the talk, discussing the pros and cons, or maybe the whys and hows of the presence of the human Not too far into the trees, a clearing disclosed a concrete slab and bricks from a broken chimney. I sat gingerly, elbows on knees, and considered these relics. My shuffling foot discovered an old enamel mug. Closing my eyes, my mind saw them. A woman, long skirt, bucket in hand. She came for a better life in a new land. A babe held tightly to her chest by a tartan shawl. A man, axe in hand for clearing the land. A child holding out his mug for milk from the bucket. Sustenance from their land. Blinking, I spied a rabbit hopping away, as is their habit soon hidden in the patch of yellow gorse, both from another land. Mm. Wow, that's, I mean, that's as powerful as Billy Collins' poem. It is. Poem. And, and what I, why I like it in particular is it it's almost closes the loop from Abu Ben Adam. She's sitting there, and she sees a woman and child 
both, you know, mm. mythical. Mm. Um, and so she's used the same uh, approach, the, the uh, telling the tale through um, the invented mm. characters. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, that's, that's lovely. Um, thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. As I said earlier, Sonia McKenzie has been on this show, and she also reads regularly at Hawke's Bay Life Poets in Taradale. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we've, we have about um, three minutes, I guess. Do you want to share another one? I've got one more I can mm. do. Okay. <laughs> okay. And... <clears throat> It's the most recent one that I read at the Live Poets, and somebody called me over and said that was good. So ah, yeah. encouragement. That's... I've got I've got one one on board. Here we go. Let's get the next thousand. And it's called Kaleidoscope. Do you recall a kaleidoscope in your early life? Did the cardboard or metal feel good in your hand? A squint through the lens brought a myriad of shapes and colors. There was a clicking sound, the equivalent of a visual check mark. I have strived to make my life a replica of a kaleidoscope. Bring on the oceans, the seas, the lakes, and maybe a wetland too. Visit all the continents but one, with Mount Erebus a step too hard. Walk among the butterflies covering the jungle floor in Brazil. Wildflowers as far as the eye can see in the Aussie outback. The encyclopedia of trees in Anderson Park. The kaleidoscope consists of pieces of colored glass and mirrors. Mirrors can reflect faces, races, and their inherent attitudes, priorities, and stories. Matariki gives me the opportunity to see and see again the past, the present, and the future. Manawatea Amatariki. Hmm. Oh, that's a lovely way to end the show. But as, as we record, we've, we've just had Matariki yeah. week, haven't we? We um, and, I, um, I bought into it big time. <clears throat> oh, good on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's a very lovely concept. I'm so glad it's been finally... Acknowledged uh, properly. Um, well, it's been a delight to have you on the show, Mary Ellen, and I'm sure Thank our you. listeners who um, have been listening on 104.7 FM, maybe 14.31 AM or through the website. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to um, meet Mary Ellen or hear her read one of her poems, you can go to the um, Hawke's Bay Live Poets meetings in Theosophical Hall, Devonshire Place, Taradale, second Monday of the month at seven. Right. So, um, see you there. Yeah, thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you very much, Mary Ellen. You're most welcome. Thank you. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.